Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There was a move today um, during Sweatfest with Ryan Heffington, which is, you know, our church, our dance church five days a week, where he was like, pick up two drinks. And then we had to like grate mine. He's like, don't spill those drinks. And I was like, um, I'm not going to because I have server life skills. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I can also, you know, like we've talked about making the claw, you know, where you're like, no, I'm going to have arthritis forever because of the way I used to insist I could carry four full drinks in one hand. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you what, not one drop of that imaginary margarita I was carrying while grapevining and also shimmying at the same time was, was spilled. That's my girl. Well, guys. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Wallace. I'm your host, Brooke Van Poplin. And I have now started going to bed with little gloves and socks on my hands with lotion beneath it so that my hands may return to some semblance of not feeling like sandpaper. It's very smart, Brooke. I've also hey. been doing the same thing. I, I, I was, I was, you know, we were just talking uh, about dance class and I think I've got, I have dance hooves is what I've been hooves, calling them. Some hooves. Mm-hmm. I have hooves now. <laughs> some Girl, you got some dance hooves. Oh yeah. My clothes. Well, I'm I'm gonna come out of this totally cloven, <laughs> very cloven. I'm I'm coming out of this. Uh, um, uh, uh, wait, not a minotaur because that's the opposite. That's like a bull. Yeah, that's like bull no, head no. That's actually isn't. Wait, no. minotaur is a bull. What's half horse, half right? The bottom centaur. Part. Centaur. A centaur is what you're coming out mm-hmm. of this because you're you're forming. We're doing by Girl, the way. I'm gonna be a sexy motherfucking fantasia centaur. Exactly. Like, cause we are doing so much free boot camp, thanks to my neighbor. Oh yeah. We're gonna have strong haunches and cloven hooves from dancing. You know Barefoot. those centaurs in Fantasia were just like fucking. What about like do you remember like the sexy flames also that were like definitely naked and having sex? I remember being really young and rewinding and being like, those flames have titties. I in Fantasia? Yes, there's 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 titty. It's cartoon titty. It's not easy to see, but I would rewind it, rewind it, rewind it, and be like, wow, Disney. Checking in. How are we doing, Sidework family? Are we healthy? Are we doing our best to stay positive and sane? It's also okay if you're not. This is total craziness. Uh, Embrace embrace your shadows. It's okay to fill the darkness because it's all part of the complete package is what I like to think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, there's there's so much to talk about. We've been really posting a lot on social media with you guys and, and getting all, all sorts of horrified reaction 
from you all. Um, just seeing that we've gone from barely figuring out how to get a restaurant to survive and make some sort of amount of money um, by completely pivoting in some cases like three times to now people have a streamlined carryout situation to then in Tennessee, you know, seeing the governor be like, surprise, we're open Friday and you're going to have reservations. Like what the fuck? So we've been. Yeah. And I think that should bring us to like our pretty big major headline of the week, not just Tennessee, but also Nebraska, also yep. North Dakota, also Georgia. Um, am I missing anything? Am I missing a state? Well, Most- Alaska's a bizarre, Alaska's just kind of its own anomaly. I mean, no one ever pays attention to what's going on in Alaska. Anyways, not really. I think Colorado like the is- off of states. It is. And uh, Colorado is starting to ease some uh, distancing a little bit. You know, I don't know. It's it's just, I think, uh, oh, Texas too. Texas is on its way. Um, mm-hmm. It's looking at the end of this week. Stuff's going to be up and running again. And, you know, when you think of communities, you know, I doubt that they're going to lift much like in Houston or mm-hmm. other more densely populated cities. Um, but I think mostly we're looking at the insanity, you know, of Georgia and Tennessee, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, well, right. Because just- Nebraska ne- never like officially shut down, but people are still going back. You know, I have a friend there who, uh, bartends and he is already, um, posting on Facebook about Cinco de Mayo plans, even though he works at a German bar, we all find this hilarious because everybody embraces Cinco de Mayo. This is about to be the most fucked up Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> of all time but it's like he is able to go back to work he needs the money and then he's like posting like if you guys want to come in we have six top six top tables and if you want to be sitting close together with people you trust people won't be around you it's just a whole it's just such a clusterfuck and it's you know i think we were just chatting about this and someone brought up there's no blueprint for this because it's never been done before so it's just everybody's fly by the seat of their pants i guess as they say there there is a blueprint based on somewhere 39 to 40 guidelines that you have to be able to follow to legally open your restaurant back up but that is brand new i'm just saying there wasn't like anything put in place before right because these are all new well and the reason this stuff is just you know so infuriating and crazy is again like some of these some of these measures that need to be implemented to try and be up and running are not free things like having to source and and affix and put up your own plexiglass between booths. Um, Outfitting, you have to outfit your whole restaurant essentially. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the thing we're talking about too is, you know, some of the rules are like no more than 10 people within a 500 square foot radius. Okay, a lot of places I go, especially some of my favorite bars, restaurants, which aren't like these megaplexes are like 800 square feet total. Right. So it means like 10 people in at a time. Right. And it's, so it's like absolute, like it, it, these are, these are rules coming down from the top that assumes everyone is as big as the TGI Fridays in Times Square and like a three story Oh yeah. And I just had a, I just had a thought. It's like with all the plexiglass class going up, it's like, it's like you're eating inside, you're inside the salad bar. Now you're not outside the salad bar as a diamond. Yeah. You're, you're, you're the, you're the salad fixins. You're <laughs> the fixins and you're surrounded by a sneeze guard now. <laughs> Which I mean, some people are like totally into as a future centaur. I find this super erotic. 
That's your newfound identity as a yeah, centaur. I am now identifying purely as centaur. <laughs> so this is a North Dakota compliance list. Um, so and just in general, capacity- I also pulled it up right at the same time as you. See, <laughs> brain sharing. So right away, the thing that every place is being told to do is limit your capacity to 50% of volume that you would normally operate at, which, which is like- one and half. Your income, your capital. Right. Guess, oh, God. Um, exactly. Uh, waiting areas must be marked. So physical standards are, uh, physical distance standards are met. Like we all know how impossible that is as servers. You know what like the POS systems are like. You know, there's usually one, two tops for all your servers to go crowd around and put orders. And like, dude, it's, Oh, the whole nature of restaurants. Can you imagine like when you already have to wait for like to use the POS system, but then to like literally have to send six feet behind somebody and just be like, can you please hurry up? Like Like in a bank line, you know? (laughs) And of course, this is the new, this is your new cost, single use menus, you know, which great. You can go the cheap grade paper if you want to, fine. But ink isn't cheap, Maybe you know, like you're going to have to pony up for that now. Right. You can't refill drinks unless like you basically, like, if someone's getting a new, a refill, you have to bring them a whole new cup is what this exactly. says. Exactly. The whole thing is a fucked up new game we have to play to like, how do you like completely make your customers safe while dodging like a, an invisible disease like the entire time? Like, and it's just, um, it's a lot, you know, I looked on Eater um, Atlanta and they are basically listing because there's a lot of businesses that are refusing to open restaurants you know that are refusing to open and there are some that are and so by city um i if you are in a state and you have your own eater i believe everybody's doing like separate articles of restaurants Mm -hmm. that are opening and restaurants that aren't opening okay but you're also you know (sighs) i mean i don't think a lot of people want to do this well i so i will say there's there's the smart people who don't want to do this and then there is tipsy tailgate at the tipsy taco happening uh in south carolina um details big facebook event going around with 226 people interested or attending i mean first of all i don't even think you're allowed even distanced to be in that large of a group but uh we were sent this by uh, acrylic biscuits and uh band-aid bennett sent us this this is a screen cap where they're like, eat shit, tipsy taco. But the details, join us this weekend for our tipsy takeout tailgate on Friday and Saturdays from 5 to 8. Call in your orders and enjoy it in our parking lot with your friends, family, and your favorite tipsy crew, all while practicing social distancing. Wait, are they, that's also encouraging drunk driving? I, I can't even feel free to bring your own tables and chairs to make your tailgate comfortable. I mean, people aren't even allowed. Like I know the idiots here in Florida and then also California, basically like, yes, you can be on the beach, but you got to keep it moving. Anyone who laid down a towel or tried to like catch some sun, like the whole policing thing is like, no, like you're, you're not totally. here. Like we're allowing you to walk along the water and keep it moving, idiots. Right. Brian and I laid out a towel, but that's for a different reason. A different <laughs> reason. But so we've got this version of it, which... I, I don't wish this illness on anyone, but if you're going to be willfully ignorant, you are asking for it. You yeah, know? I don't think it's okay to rally the troops to support your business by 
like inventing like social socially distanced gatherings because I just think that it's I think it's grounds for trouble. You know it's what I mean? Trouble. Well, Andrea, because it's like not only that, the, people are just going to continue to get drunker and drunker, and you know that totally they, people can't. It's follow like when you go camping. It's like yes. when, or at least when I go camping, and then I have to pee. Uh, first of all, also where is everybody fucking peeing? Like that's it's, my thing. Thank you. This is so, this is the dumbest shit I've like, ever seen. Encouraging public drunkenness where after two drinks everyone's oh, yeah. going to be so relieved to see people and then they're also being fueled with alcohol be like come here give me a hug and cuss totally so when i camp i'm like i go farther away to pee and as the more the more i drink as the night progresses by the end of the, the night closer. i'm pretty much i'm pretty much pissing like into the fire by the end of the <laughs> night you know what i mean i think that's a perfect metaphor for the it <laughs> really situation. is There's- People are going to be pissing into the fire this weekend for sure. They're going to be pissing into their own tipsy taco. Cool. Their tipsy taco is going to be pissing into a Dixie cup. Well, you guys, it's time for some listener submitted COVID Uh, guys, we're going to throw to a call. We were able to record with your fellow server and Sidework podcast listener, Tyler, who is uh, uh, talking to us live from Nashville, Tennessee, in the belly of the beast, uh, where he and a bunch of other people in the community are actively seeking to unionize service industry workers. Everyone, um, please welcome to Sidework podcast, our correspondent on the ground, in Nashville, Tennessee. We are lucky to have him right now. <laughs> He's got a really busy press tour, but uh, Tyler Price, everybody joining us from Nashville, Tennessee. Hi, Tyler. <laughs> um, so I'm so excited that you have information to share with us. Uh, and however, however it comes out, we get it. We understand you are learning as you go. But yeah. Tyler is someone we mentioned in last week's episode in terms of forming a local union for service industry workers uh, on the ground. He's doing it. He's learning as it happens. So that's why we wanted to talk to you. Heck yeah. Yeah. And congratulations. Um, how long have you been waiting tables? Waiting tables? Mm, Bartending. Yeah. About five years. Okay. And what is, what is your overall, like, or, or sorry, on my part, what, how do you like to describe your workflow and what you do? I, I just kind of went straight into like, he's a waiter. I am a waiter. So, okay, great. Yeah, you got that. You got that heard. Um, yeah, so I have, I've always worked in food. I've mm-hmm. always been a part of food. My first job was at a pizza shop. So, I mean, I've always, it's always been part of my life, whether it's a pizza shop or Mafiosa's on 12th South or Del Frisco's in Brentwood. Like I've worked all over. Um, and yeah, waiting tables has been for the past five years, how I made my money. Fantastic. And I, I think it's also, it's really cute. I've, I, I think it's maybe a little bit of like a Tennessee thing. I've now interacted with you a handful of times where you're like her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I love that. I love saying herd. It's, it's really good. It's really good. And, uh, did that, was that ever something lingo wise you said in your places of employment? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but like herd is, 
That's kitchen lingo. You say, yeah, you say anything to me, and instead of being like, "Okay, I got you," it's just heard. Yep. Yeah, it's just, and so it's it's super fun because we're we're organizing. We have an organization, and we're all playing different roles than we've ever played before, but we still do talk to each other and we deal with each other as if we're in a kitchen. So that's her, amazing. You got to get your workflow going now. As far as like, um, what what's your role in unionizing? Um, so unionizing, hmm. so there's a couple things going on in Nashville right now. Um, there's two different things. There's unions and there's restaurant opportunity centers. Um, okay. they kind of do two very different things. Um, to kind of make it super simple, I have this analogy. I, this is how I explain it to my mom. So the union is going to be like, all right, like say something something bad happens in your workplace. The union's going to be that character that says, all right, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. The Rock is basically the one that's like, all right, I'm going to go tell everybody you got herpes. Like they use like media and the media arm to get their point across, get things changed. Uh, unions are more long-term, you know, let's get lawyers, let's have a lawsuit. That's the whole thing. Um, so right now I'm kind of, Right now, it's kind of a free-for-all. There's a union forming. There's a rock chapter. I, I represent the rock chapter right now. Okay. Um, and rock, again, like you said, rock, restaurant opportunity centers. Yeah, yeah. It's rock united. That's the okay. group. And we're rockunited.org forward slash music hyphen city. So music city is our thing. Um, there's going to be some of us that, you know, remain with the rock chapter. Some of us are going to do more union stuff. Um, there's a whole, there's a whole legality to it. Um, I don't sure. want to get into that, but right now we're just really focused on giving a voice to restaurant workers in Nashville. Like super, super focused on that. So, okay. Clearly, like, I think we're both teeming with questions here of uh, first and foremost, was it you your idea or someone affiliated with you how did you get drawn into this like the means of it was it online word of mouth right so um it was uh invite somebody sent me mm -hmm. on facebook somebody i used to work with he was big text and i was uh sexy rex my yeah. name is tyler but <laughs> i we actually used to play this character we played these characters and i was rex i go up to my tables i'd be like how are we doing this evening you know, say the whole spiel and everything. All right, my name's Rex. You know, um, just to kind of separate myself because I can be kind of um, shy. But if I have a character, um, I kind of do more. Big text and sexy yeah. Rex. Why yeah. did I never have a character while I was waiting tables? It's literally the funnest thing in the world. You just come up <laughs> with who you want to be. That's what I do. Like, I'm also an artist. I'm a musician. So I've come up with, I used to be a go-go dancer too. Um, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, anyways, back to the point. Uh, uh, that actually could be, if you're in a cage, could be a nice, safe profession when you we get back to it. <laughs> Dancing behind plexiglass? Yeah, be like, yeah. I'm in a plexiglass cage and just put your money through this actually, uh, Lysol spray. Actually put him, put him in a gerbil ball, like one of those plastic like hamster balls that roll and he's like dancing, but he's safe. Like, oh, okay, great. Guys, we already made the patent for human-sized gerbil ball to dance in, okay? Yeah. yeah. But anyways, um, yeah, the dude that big, big text, uh, yeah, he invited me to this group and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Cause I really, really wanted to get involved. Um, 
I'm actually back here in St. Louis temporarily, just personal mm-hmm. family stuff. And I got really curious about what the local government was doing for people during you know, the pandemic that we are currently in. And so I just started like hounding them, sending them emails, asking them questions, and I didn't get much of a response, but I like started those gears started firing about like, okay, if you're tired of this, if you're tired of people walking all over you, do something about it, like get involved, like see what you can do. And so I'd already started that, got the invite, and then it was just like, oh, that's perfect. You know, this is how I'm involved with city council. I'm involved with the restaurant industry. I use that whole background. And then my degree, which is a communications degree. I use all that, all at once. It all coalesced. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at now. And that's, and right, and you're like, it always coalesces for Sexy Rex. Um, So then you guys, you all meet through sort of like a testing the water email, you know, seeing like who's interested. Is there, so what I'm curious about in terms of because what we want to, what we want to try and like lay out a framework for, and it might not be as cut and dry as we hope it is, but how other concerned servers, restaurant owners, chefs could also, you know, maybe learn from what you all are doing right now. So, um, is there a way to break down the first steps that have been taken? Yeah. So, I mean, the first steps that you can take is just um, start talking to people. That's mm-hmm. literally how it starts. You just start with a conversation. It can start with, um, if you're in a small city, um, just reaching out, starting a Facebook group, real simple things like that. Also, just talking to your coworkers. Um, a lot of us don't know our rights. That's a, a No. Mm-hmm. We're super scared to, like, say, like, hey, like, how's it going, you know? <laughs> Um, did they do that to you too? Mm-hmm. And we get real, real concerned about that. You got to make sure you're off the clock. Make sure you're off the clock. You can talk about anything. You can talk about a union. You can talk about a rock chapter. You can talk about how you're going to protest X, Y, and Z. How you're going to come up with a petition. How you're all going to come up with a game plan and then approach your bosses about it. A lot of, we've been like told that like you can't do that stuff you'll get fired we're at a fire at will state like all these things like they're in our head we're scared um mm-hmm. you have rights though and you can talk to people and you can you know and in my case like i've i've had things in the past where i've gotten you know coworkers together and we've you know approached hr and it's been a coordinated effort and i didn't even realize that was that kind of activity and it was protected and all that stuff but I mean, really, at this point, under normal circumstances, you'd probably want to start with people at your restaurant because it'd be a restaurant by restaurant basis. It'd totally. be like really right. bad manager we're all dealing with, and we all want to like you know weigh in on that and like do something about it. Right now, though, what everybody's dealing with is pretty obvious: COVID nineteen. And um, so you can probably reach out to other people in your city, in your district, whatever it is, and they're probably going to be experiencing the same things more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially with work conditions and reopenings and all the things that we're facing and any states that are opening have opened already and will continue to probably open before, you know, there's a vaccine, obviously, but while it's still not safe. My question for you, Tyler, is um, what percentage do you know does hospitality workers uh, as a whole make up in Nashville? Do you know? Percentage of Nashville, I do not know. Okay, but it's I, big. I mean, it's a 
300,000 people in Nashville who are in the restaurant industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you sent us um, a great video uh, about Vegas and their model and how they have unionized, not just with uh, restaurant workers, but with hotel and hospitality generally. Generally, it, are, are you guys trying to unionize just specifically restaurant workers? Or are you like bringing in like more hospitality on a whole? Um, we're concerned with speaking directly to restaurant workers Great. right now, and we're not totally focused on the unionizing of it at this point because yeah. that's 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 the long haul. Right? No, that's that. We got to rework like decades of like misinformation of you know sentiments and all that, and educate people, and that's going to take a minute. You know, those court cases that'll take a long time before we can like strike a deal. You know, as Nashville. Um, but like what we're doing right now, just literally, you know, Facebook groups, there's like a handful of them and we're just talking to everybody and getting everybody's opinions right now. Great. That's awesome. I I think it starts, I do think like first things first, right. Which is like why it's so important for us to be talking to you on the ground and why we're trying to disperse information where we can. Step one is education. It's like the first thing we can do is educate anyone who listens who can then pass along word of mouth an article listen to this blip of a podcast um you know hey my like like basically being like you do have rights and i think one of the biggest takeaways we're having is so if there's no actual going back to the way things were right for probably a year and a half two until there's a vaccine in this time span, this is when and how we need to organize so that when they do really call us back to do these jobs for everyone else's, you know, benefit and enjoyment that we come back as an organized front. I think it's an opportunity to demand that the nature of our job is treated differently and it is treated like any other protected job with paid sick leave, a higher minimum wage plus the right to earn tips, the entire um, nature of the job needs to be taken more seriously or else we're not going to come back and serve you. Mm-hmm. So that's the long-term goal is to get yeah. you know, collective bargaining agreements and, yeah. and leverage ourselves to where we can have a, you know, good solid base, you know, minimum wage, you know, paid sick leave, those kind of things. But like right now, as one in Nashville, what, and I can speak directly to this. Um, here, let me just give you my story a little bit. Yeah, more. please. So I was put on furlough March 26th, I believe it was. That's not even, that's like barely a month ago. Wow. And I filed for unemployment a couple of days after because I was traveling. And um, I still haven't gotten nothing. Still not a penny. And I've already been called back to work and I've already lost the ability to claim unemployment. Jesus. Wow. No, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not going to get that money. A lot of people are getting money like back pay and that's fantastic, but it's just kind of ironic. It's like, you no longer get this benefit, but you never even got it in the first place. So come on back to work and uh, risk your life. In my situation, I, I saved up money and I, and that has nothing to do with like, oh, I saw this coming. No, I no. mean, I, I paid attention to the news. Like my, my background is journalism. So I was, you know, January 24th when NPR aired that story about mm, 
new virus coming over from Wuhan. Like I knew that, but the money situation, like I started saving six, eight, nine months ago. And so I'm able to kind of like focus on other things right now um, and not be so stressed out about money. But I have friends that they live paycheck to paycheck and people, I was actually just reading a comment today about this lady. She was like, y'all should prepare ahead and y'all should, you know, save up money. And it's like, okay, well, fantastic. But that's hindsight, like real time right now, what are people dealing with? And the reality is a lot of people have been relying on this unemployment money. They've been promised it because they got three kids at home. They got a girlfriend, whatever that they're supporting and they don't know how they're going to support them in the future. And then they don't get that money. They don't get the unemployment. All their funds run dry. And now they're getting the call back to work. They're forced to go back to work. Yep. They don't have a choice. You know, and it's not even states who aren't going to reopen. There's really, there's no plan after like mid-July, right? That's when everything dries up as far as like what they put out there. So there's so there's so, there's a limit to all of this and you know people and your your friends having to go back to work and like we all know and like you said putting their lives at risk just to basically make even less than they would make on the unemployment that they're not getting anyway like it's it, it's crazy it's horseshit it's fucking horseshit fucking horse you shit. heard it here first <laughs> Did you say that on Fox News? I hope not. No, honey, no. <laughs> oh, I wish you did. God. <laughs> no, but I just, that's I like going to be exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's that's literally like what we're trying to attack right now. So we have a petition out right now on our website that people can go sign, um, and it's literally saying unemployment. People should be able to draw that even if they're scared, they're immunocompromised, they got kids at home, um, and they can't go back to work, or they don't want to go back to work um you know that's what that petition is about it's 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 urging the governor governor bill lee of tennessee to rethink that reopening plan and and i will say like the failure across the board uh to provide access to testing for anyone to just have some semblance of whether they had it back in february and maybe could go back to work with a little more you know, confidence that they're not going to get it again, at least in this cycle or whatever, that we are able to make choices about our bodies and our well-being because we're informed. And at the very least, right, that people who are like, okay, go open your nail salon, you expendables, you, you know, you service industry people, we should be getting the first and most amount of testing. Like if they're going to make us go back into the Petri dish, all of the PPE and all of the testing should come to us first, just like healthcare workers. Otherwise, why are we going back out into the public to make a living? Well, it's so crazy that you mentioned like salons and right. amenities. Um, they're not so phase three. Like in right. Nashville, we're not even yeah. in phase one. So, okay, the way it all breaks down. So I'm in Nashville. Um, that's where I live. I live in Antioch. That's what it's called. That's the, um, it's kind of the district area essentially. But I work in Williamson County, which is five, five minutes from Nashville. And so Nashville has its own regulations of like opening and all that. And there's some restaurants in Nashville that are not abiding by that. 
they've already opened. But my restaurant is in a different county and the rules are different for that county and they're allowed to open. Um, there's no, hey, get a test and come back to work. There's none of that. It's, um, it's like I said, it's a free, you know, it's, it's a free for all. It's crazy. There's no, so what we're calling for is, you know, collect unemployment, push that, like allow people to continue to collect unemployment, especially so they don't have to file again, my God. Cause like theoretically, if you go back to work and then you get sick in two weeks, you have to refile for unemployment. We are a month out from me filing and I still haven't received a penny. So like, we're just gonna further back up the system. There's no test. Like you, you can't just like go get a test this, you know, because you're just curious about it. Right. And there's no governing body. There's nobody enforcing these regulations. In Tennessee, I can't speak for every, I can't speak for Georgia. I can't speak for every state in the United States of America. But um, in Tennessee, they basically said that, how are we gonna enforce this? We're gonna have businesses take the pledge. The pledge, that's what it's called, in quote, the pledge. Fuck. And so it's, right? And so it's like, you can like print it off and post it in your restaurant. Like people can literally like, that's it. That's our watchdog. Yeah, scouts honor. Exactly, that's literally what I said. I said, Wayne and the scouts, honey. You're like, like no, but I swear I didn't stick my balls in your iced tea. I took the pledge. I swear. I promise. I promise. <laughs> we all took a celibacy pledge at some point. We know how well those work out. Like, <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean that's that's what we're actually calling for. We're like demanding it, and we're being super loud about it, and we're organizing people, and um, we go and get it. Yep, absolutely, it. you are. One thing you kind of touched on it, um, and you asked me earlier how people can get involved and like what advice I would have about that. Yes. Um, speak up, It be the first person. That's like my biggest piece of advice. If you're listening in, you know, I don't know, San Antonio, you're yeah. Nebraska, I don't know where you are, but you're kind of sitting here and you're, you're kind of like losing your collective shit and you're just like, man, like I, I want to do something, but like, I don't know how literally be that first person because there's probably like 15 people behind you that are like waiting for that person to reach out and just start something, literally just be that first domino. That's what happened in this case. There was just one domino. One person spoke up and was like, let's do this. And then one by one, we all joined and we're all just kind of, now it's tons of people that are involved. And uh, yeah, you got to think ahead. You have to think ahead. You have to, so read articles on other countries and other restaurants that are, you know, months ahead of us. Read about, you know, Los Angeles is a great one to read about. Los Angeles and New York yep. because, yep. and Washington, because what's affecting them is coming. You know, in one shape, in one, one shape or another, it's coming. So it might be mass, you know, hospitalization and death in New York, or it's like a full city lockdown like Los Angeles, but you're gonna see the economic effects of that follow in like a month. And that's when it's really important to have an organization, not when you're called back to work, but weeks before you're called back into work. Yep. Cause I just got called back into work a couple of days ago. If I decided to do something right now, I'd be so flustered and so confused and you know disjointed that I wouldn't be able to make any, you know, real decisions. 
yeah, and, yeah. And actually play an active role just because of the, the just the immense wall of fear between like your rational thinking and your 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 your, your survival like mm-hmm. you know and, and i will say um on top of it you know looking at the future and we've talked on this before but states like california and uh, minnesota who have already enacted one fair wage in their states and actually pay a decent wage and we've talked on one fair wage before but that's another great uh, organization to get in touch with and start chapters in in your own state to help push for for rights as well mm-hmm. um well shit tyler thanks for being a fucking normal ray man oh yeah, yeah I'm not a Karen. sure. we're not karens we're not yeah. Karen. we're normas we're fucking normas fucking normas <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Andrea, guess what time it is? Uh, is it time for some server? Server submitted stories. We are back in with uh, two more tales, two characters this week from Nicole Stukenberg's epic odyssey from the not named former 4 a.m. Chicago bar. Okay. Oh boy. So she likes to say 4 a.m. bars do have regulars and boy, they are creatures, which is so true. We can all immediately think of that 4 a.m. regular. All right. So this guy's name was High Five Brad. Also me. I think I was a 4 a.m. regular at a couple places. So the dark times. All right. So there was High Five Brad. I'd never heard Brad speak. Language had usually escaped him by the time he reached us, and his communication had been reduced to hand signals and nods. Whoa. Brad never ordered a single drink from us. He also spent a lot of money in our bar and tipped very well. Brad earned his name because he would immediately high-five anyone and everyone who made eye contact with him. He wasn't aggressive, never got in fights, although nearly he started one almost every time we saw him. High Five Brad would stand in a semicircle of friends, not his own, and not along acting like part of the group until he'd smoothly lean into the bar and grab whatever drink was within reach. Oh, God. Oh, boy. (laughs) The owner of the drink would usually get mad at this point. Anticipating this, we always jumped in before Brad got hit. This is Brad, we'd say. He's harmless, and because he took your drink, he'd like to buy you a new one. Then we'd look at Brad, and in the tone of kindergarten teachers, we'd say, Brad, and just hold out our hand expectantly. (laughs) Brad would shrug and hand us his wallet. We'd take his card and start him a tab and buy anyone a drink if Brad took it. (laughs) I'm so sorry. If Brad spilled a lot that night, we'd also buy ourselves a round of shots. Thanks, Brad. Brad always left his card, never signed his tab, and like I said, tipped us very well, winky face. It was not uncommon for his, uh, it was not uncommon for Brad's tab to be anywhere from $100 to $300. For a fucking four o'clock? Oh my God. Wow. Brad also liked to walk up to girls and mime either hitting a golf ball or Babe Ruth style hit a home run in slow motion. We have no idea why. I bet he cleaned up. <laughs> I once his ran own into vomit Brad. when he got home that night. Yeah, he cleaned up his vomit. You're right. You're right. Um, I once ran into Brad after serving him every weekend for about three years, and I said hi. That's the moment I knew sober high five Brad had never met me. 
Oh my God. <laughs> to be I continued. Mean, yeah. Right. So good. So, so good. I'm obsessed with high five, Brad. Oh my God. Who is your high five, Brad, in your life? Channel that person. So, okay. So I, we, I definitely, exactly. And I, I will say this and I know we're moving on, but, um, and I've been that person where for a phase in my twenties after like drink number eight, my right eye would just clamp shut and not open up again, <laughs> open up the rest of the night. And I just, I just became a pirate who was hanging out and won't go home. And I, I, so I had a thing, which, you know, everyone was like, Oh God, the pirates here, captain, <laughs> captain malarkey, oh, captain, my captain. Oh, Captain, my captain. But um, we have a good friend, Greg, who it is just well known that once he's on beer number 800, Greg just like English just stops coming out of his mouth. He's having full, and you met, this is handsome model Greg, my friend from, uh, you know, the uh, South Side of Brooklyn or whatever. That guy's is handsome. Yeah, he's a handsome dude. And he's so fun, but he's always like, (laughs) and you're like, oh no, Gerg is here. When we would, when he would get to that point, we would call him Gerg instead of Greg. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I love that. I have a friend that got pretty drunk in Chicago once, my friend Ian, who you know well. We were in a cab and then a ambulance came by and he just, he said, what's a flashing like very drunkenly so now anytime since then that he's gotten to that level we call him what's a flashing and it's a what's beautiful a flashing? well you guys if you know we love this saga that's ongoing but we do need more server submitted stories so if you have any any fun memories hilarious sad whatever send them our way we'd love to read them Brooke, should we introduce our guest today? Yeah, let's make it happen. Uh, A great friend of the show, of Brooke and I, uh, an all-around wonderful human being, Tom Sigsby, is with us today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Whoa. All of those platitudes back at you, except for (laughs) a fan fan of my show, because I don't have a show. I should have a show. (laughs) You should have a show. Have a show. The Tom show. <laughs> that Tom to Tom, Tom, Tom. How's, uh, how's life going for you, Tom? Good. Uh, I mean, honestly, if I don't think about money, it's awesome. Uh, yes, which, that which, keeps I being mean, the key. Yeah. We've got a, we've got a freshie uh, as of yesterday. We've got a four-week-old. So Wow. Uh, I don't really know how we would have done this without... Uh, all of the time off yeah uh, so that's been great and uh, so that's three that's three of three children now right it's, it's far too many that's entirely too many children <laughs> I, I come from three um yeah. the balance is always off it's always two against one you know what I mean or so all three passion. against against two. dad yeah. right yeah right I've got uh, I have so many friends that were like uh oh now they're gonna outnumber you and I was like what makes you think my wife ever sided with me you know what I mean? it's like it's always it's always been my kids versus my kids and my wife versus me you know? <laughs> Not like parents rents versus kids no. oh my god so I think we just want to jump right into it Tom and we know you as like a multi-leveled multi-talented multi-faceted man um so many facets you so many facets in that drawer 
Um, but let's just get started um, and talk about like, how did you get started in the service industry? Service industry was actually my my second job, but my first legal job was uh, was at a Domino's Pizza, topping the pizzas. But uh, I was too young to touch the oven, uh, so that was where I started. But then, but then into more actual hospitality because uh, after I was done as a ballet dancer, I decided playing football was the logical next step, and my assistant football coach in high school uh was a flair bartender at tgi fridays and i thought that was just the coolest thing on the planet so i got a job there but i had never worked in a restaurant so i was the dishwasher and then like moved into busboy moved into service and then that's awesome after that which i think it sounds like once again you were too young to touch you know the oven or the alcohol probably at that age truth but in in massachusetts actually at the time you could serve alcohol way before you could drink it oh we've we've learned this from multiple interview guests nebraska it's 19 yeah our you're also making yeah we have friends who are bartending at 16 yeah we were also making two dollars and 63 cents an hour which was awesome (laughs) And that's why you get to be a bartender because you're yeah. thankful for it. I yeah. want to go back to one thing really quick because you said you went from a, a ballet dancer to a football yeah. player. Yeah. Which, because you always hear about like football players being sent to ballet class. So they have like better balance and better strength. So I feel like you had like a, an upper hand in a way being like the flip side of it. I guess. Yeah. I mean, usually for them though, they go from being this masculine guy to being like, yeah, I'm doing ballet. What? I'll kill you if you make fun of me. <laughs> and I like, I was, I, Again, here's, I guess, the story. I follow, I follow cool people. I follow my cool brother who was a ballet dancer. So I started when I was three and I did ballet up until I was like 13 or 14 and was like pretty intense about it um, by the end there. But it was like an Irish Catholic town that was definitely not no casing, you know, like people did not understand any uh anything out of gender norms anything like that uh so that was that was tough growing up but i was kind of doing i was doing sports and stuff along the way as well but then yeah as soon as i stopped doing ballet i was onto football Uh, but then still service industry your whole life so basically you've been ruining your feet since a very early age is what Mm -hmm. you're saying yep Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) footwear is important we all know that (laughs) Get a little so extra. Then, you wear like you're... two Dr. Shoals per shoe. <laughs> you stack them. Yeah. Stack, stack the shoals. Yeah. You make me feel so good. So yeah. you did TJ Fridays, and then I'm sure that kind of elevated you once you were like college bound and like into yeah, the Yeah, I went to another like... TGI Fridays. Oh, wow. <laughs> ah. yeah. You know, I actually did that with um, with uh, Buca de Beppo is what Ooh, I did Bukity. that with. Yeah. I worked at the one in Omaha and was able to transfer to the one in Chicago on Clark gotcha. Street. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, the last time we went there, our our spaghetti, which is the hardest thing to f up, tasted tasted like it was like a, a a well that had not been touched for like seven years, and they boiled the pasta in that water. <laughs> so it's no hard. more no more spaghetti. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Beppo. now we need the buka sad horn (laughs) so i I transferred to uh in in college as well went to the t 
TGI Fridays on Newbury Street, which is uh, you know the fancy fancy street in Boston. So we'd get like you know visiting dignitaries, aka like the Yankees would would dine there when they were in town to play the Red Sox. Was now was there m- mischievous things happening with Yankees food? Is that uh, a big rivalry? It's Boston. Oh yeah, that's oh, the yeah, number for sure. Probably number one in sports. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean not. Not on my behalf, certainly, would I ever admit. Would there be customers in your TGA Fridays who would give a Yankee oh, yeah. shit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even, like, Bernie Williams was was one that played in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, and legitimately seems, seemed like one of the nicest guys on the planet, but it was still like, you're a Yankee, you're the worst person on the planet, I will cut you. <laughs> it's born and bred. I mean, do you see them, I mean, I imagine, like, cutting your teeth in the service industry in Boston, and that must be pretty hard. It's hard knocks, right? Like, Yeah, certainly. Well, I mean, especially because, like, the town is one quarter college students. It, like, the population during college, uh, like, during, while semesters are in, swells up to, like, 1.1 or 1.2 million. And then in the summer, it's, like, un, it's like under 900,000. So there's yeah, that many then, students there. And that's the perfect job, obviously, for a student. Um, so, yeah, there's a trillion people doing that. Um, as well as it just being, like, an artistic town as well. So I'm sure a lot of people that were supplementing their, their uh, actual endeavors any like standouts or places that you've worked in Boston or then you were, were you in, you were in Chicago for a bit? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Any places there that you like stand out specifically that you want to talk about? I mean, I, I truthfully in Chicago, I avoided uh service industry for a bit, even though it's probably the, the way I would have, uh, I would have thrived there. Um, I just kind of got burnt out during college doing that. And uh, so, I, so in Chicago, I've worked more on like the, uh, music side of things I was doing like marketing help and stuff like that at the at the metro um cool but uh but yeah I feel like if I was in the service industry there I would have probably drank myself to death uh, I it, mean, it was already easy enough to drink too much in Chicago yeah <laughs> yep we tried well even like you know working at the metro and working in music I'm sure you had your fair share of like drunkenness at shows and then underneath the metro. Oh, the metro! Mm-hmm. Got smart, it. Smart bar. bar. Oh, no. Nothing no. smart about that bar. Nothing nope. smart about that bar. That no. was uh, yeah. So that so ultimately the job that I was doing paid very little, but we would go to free shows uh, everywhere. Um, so as long as you kind of flyer to work with that show, you could get on the list. And Smart Bar was one of the four a.m. spots that was oh, just yeah. But but Chicago was outstanding for that because you'd have you know. I don't know, X, Y, and Z DJ, but then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday would be Felix the House Cat, DJ Colette, DJ Heather, these DJs that would do like weekday shows in Chicago and then on Friday go to Tokyo and then spend for like tens of thousands of people. I mean, there were so many good DJs there. Cool. I think but, I saw, yeah, I think I saw Shadow and I said, I know, I definitely oh, saw yeah. DJ Crush down there. Yeah one time which was so cool and my favorite thing about smart bar was like uh the bathroom i'll call it the powder room because it just there was just a a big dust cloud of (laughs) cocaine in there at all times in my opinion but it it was a cool vintage weird bathroom it was much uh, yeah yeah what a weird weird place brooke to what you were saying too with the with the 4 a.m's uh both you guys that that was one of the most terrifying 
things that that I, and I remember specifically thinking I'm glad I'm not in the service industry currently was the not only the Saturday because Saturdays every place would open would stay open an hour later yep but then also the daylight savings day oh yes so you'd go to a 4 a.m bar on a Saturday so it'd be open till five and then daylight savings so then you so go to two, six two extra hours yeah and almost everyone would forget both of those things were happening and the vacant zombie look in the entire staff's eyes yeah. while you were there and you're like i'm not going home <laughs> i'm waiting till the sun's up you know oh <laughs> boy oh boy oh boy so you've got like all this experience that you've got in boston in college you're in chicago learning all this great info about music and booking and then you hit la right after that mm-hmm. yeah i was in chicago for two years and then skipped out i had a lot of friends that had gone to college with me in boston that that instantly went to LA or were in a program internship that put them there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And the school I went to is like primarily arts, whether it's like, even if it's like writing, it's for film, or even if it's like law, it's for entertainment, that kind of stuff. So everyone was yeah. either in Los Angeles or New York. Um, and so it was really nice to move out here and already have that built in network. Um, because otherwise, LA is a horrifying place to, to move to with no prospect of anything, oh, which is actually like- which is actually how my wife moved out. So I had the the friend connection already here, which which was comforting, and I thought I set myself up for work success as well. One of the last things I was doing in Chicago was uh, north of, north of the city was working doing stock stuff for a GA crew in Skokie at the Old Orchard Mall. So so I moved out. I had that job all set. I transferred to the J Crew in Old Town, Pasadena, was going to be their stockroom coordinator. And I worked for about an hour and a half and quit because I heard the word cute too many times. Oh my God, that's so cute. Oh, can you believe how cute this was? And I was just like, I'm done. And then I worked in a casino in Englewood for eight months, uh, working from midnight to 8 a.m. So that was outstanding. And then finally was like, this is all terrible. And I really like bartending. Why am I not doing that? Yeah. And, you know, we definitely wanted, you know, and like, I love all this history so much, but like today specifically, like we really want to dive into the fact that like you really have worked in the service industry for so long to the point where like now you're a small business owner. You, you own your own bar, you know, Um, a bar called Chris. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's you, a TGI Friday franchise. <laughs> <laughs> you finally did it. You have that TGI Fridays franchise. Um, yes, but no, you own um, the coolest bar. Uh, oh, thank a little you. bar called The Fable. That's an Eagle Rock here in Los Angeles. That to me, is, it's just like the perfect little little dive bar with lots of, but still like cool and charming. And I like it there a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, um, we. Um, it's a spot I'd, I've been going to for... I don't know, I guess 12, 13 years prior, prior formerly to- Formerly the old chalet? Is that what it formerly, has Formerly called? the old chalet, formerly the black boar, formerly the chalet, and formerly toppers. It's been, it's been a bar for about four or five decades, which is outstanding. Um, but I first, I first came upon it years ago when we had friends that lived in Eagle Rock, which is where it's, where it's based. And, uh, and at the time when I was living in, I think Echo Park at the time and then Silver Lake, I'd travel over to this place to meet them at this bar and be like, this place is great. Why is it in the middle of nowhere? Aww. Um, 
is how it felt at the time. But I feel like over the years, LA's center has kind of shifted, or at least my center of LA. I've like, mm -hmm. you know, it's so rare that I go like west of Western Avenue, you know, like, so this, so this has become so centralized for me. And, and then I would start coming to this place quite a bit more. And then we moved to Eagle Rock and then the company I was working for purchased the bar. Um, so then I started working there and then we purchased it from that company. So it's been, it's been really surreal to have always admired this place and always liked exactly what you were saying, like this, this dive bar that is still classy and still has all this character to it. And now it's ours. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I was, I was saying that the thing that like, you know, you, you put just, just barely a polish on it. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like totally. you completely had respect for what makes it cool in LA with like the, you know, the, the cobblestone walls, like the dark wood, like really interesting architecture inside. And if anything, you gave it like a nice, like a nice scrubbing. Oh, and got and yeah. put some great new updated, bar stools. Great. I know really good. And, um, price points are good but it's like it's like ooh, like now you can get something with ginger beer in it you know and, <laughs> yeah. but it's not it's not over the top it's it's completely preserving what has always been great about it but with your your signature on it but without yeah. overtaking it or denying why it's awesome we appreciate that we, we've got a couple like old crusty contractors that are regulars that are probably some of the most regular regulars we have and, and all we did with the booths and the bar, both of those were like just a deep, heavy sanding and then a refinish. And they would not believe me that that was the original bar top or wow. tops. They were like, no, that's a new piece of wood. I was like, no, this place mm -hmm. just, it was just neglected. It didn't get love. I mean, and that's, that's it. That's, that's the focus. So I, I should also say uh, my wife and I are, it's our spot. It's not me. I love it. It's not I mean, me and other servicey industry people. It's, it's my wife and I. So oh, um, yes, yes, yes. You know yeah. what? Fun fact, Tom, I yeah. think for Andrea and I both, that was our last place we were in public before oh, all of wow. this. Amazing. I think it was. Yeah. But I love that you guys are like literally like restoring your faith in that bar. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. so great. Um, so, you know, just to like dive in a little deeper with what's happening with you and, and the bar right now is that, mm -hmm. I mean, you're a small business owner, um, specifically bars, right? So you're not serving any food. Correct. Bars across yeah. the country are just, they're closed yeah. until, until further notice. And from what I've been looking at and the research I've been doing is on getting your PPP, which is your paycheck protection program and getting a loan, is that bars are getting the fucking short end of the stick. Like, especially small owned bars like yours. Yeah, I mean, absolutely true. Um, I should also mention that I can't say PPP in my house with my three kids because there's too much uh, giggling. So uh, much giggling. Yeah. Call um, it P3, P3, <laughs> and they'll think you're getting a PlayStation. Oh, Triple no. P. Can't afford that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so I've actually reached out to Adam Schiff, who's our congressman, and mm -hmm. to Garcetti and to Jose Guizar who's our absentee uh, city councilman. I, I mean, I've sent them multiple things um, on behalf of restaurant owners, but also on behalf of bar owners like ours. Um, we specifically have a liquor license through the California ABC, um, which is a license that allows you to serve full liquor, like so booze, as well as wine, as well as beer, without uh, mandating that you serve food. Got right. So, 
it's 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 a it's a golden ticket basically it is it is it's it's a it's a liquor license that they don't really issue much anymore and you have to be grandfathered in specifically for things like this right well or or purchase one and then apply it to uh to like you can buy these licenses out of escrow on auction or you can buy them already attached to a location which is what we were fortunate enough to do and there are these like you know rare unicorn liquor licenses that when you are operating are great um because if you're someone like me that is fine cooking food for my family but i don't have passion whatsoever to cook anything for any stranger, um, you know, I'm still able to serve cocktails and that kind of stuff without having to do food. But in this case, the only relief that has been provided to bars is to sell stuff to go if it's packaged. So like I can sell a bottle of wine or a six pack of beer, but I can't sell a mixed cocktail to go. Mm-hmm. which would be the only thing that would be interesting to any of my guests right. because, because I can't, you know, if I get a case of wine at my cost from my, from my supplier and then I sell it, I can't hit the same marks that a grocery store can hit or that a BevMo can hit or that a total wine and more can hit because they've got, that's, that's what they do. They sell, you know, tens of thousands of SKUs and they're able to take those, 30, 40 cent profits from these things. And that is what they do. I would have, I mean, I carry seven wines, you know, like Mm -hmm. I can't do that. So, you know, for me to actually sell this stuff at a markup where I could even keep an employee on, no one would buy it. Right. No reason why they would get Miller Lite from me as opposed to get Miller Lite from BevMo. Well, what's Uh, also crazy is that like a lot of these loans and we can say PPP because the kids here are are not here right now. (laughs) I'll I'll Um, still giggle. Um, (laughs) That there's all these strings attached to these loans, especially if you want them to be forgiven, right? At the end of all of it. And one the big one big one is that 70%, 75% of these federal loans have to go toward payroll. And then the rest can go toward rent and mortgage and utilities. But the, the shitty thing is you can't use any of it for inventory. So it's like if you were to go in and stockpile and have these things, start selling them, be able to bring back your an employee or two to like help with the workload, then it's like you wouldn't have forgiveness on that inventory, which is crazy to me. So so even though it seems like we were really ill prepared for this, like just in general society was, there are actually redundancies in place that were supposed to make this work. And in that case, specifically to what you're talking about, inventory, um, there's supposed to be business interruption insurance. The majority of bars and restaurants pay for it in their insurance so like if we've got, we've got an insurance binder for workers comp and then we've also got one for the bar. That's supposed to be one of the things is business interruption. Literally your business has been interrupted. Now they've all defined it as no, we're only gonna do this if a car drives through the front and there's physical damage to your building and you cannot actually be open. But one of the things that's supposed to be covered by business income or business interruption insurance is if you are forced to be closed by civil authority which we literally were, the city of LA and the state have mandated that businesses like ours that do not serve food, that do not, you know, are non-essential be closed. So there, in fact, in Chicago, there's uh, two or three different bar and restaurant groups that are currently suing their insurers because of this, because they're denying all these claims. But this is literally, you know, so, so if you've got 
Paycheck Protection Program that's supposed to be covering your your staff as well as your utilities as well as your rent, then right. you're supposed to have this insurance to cover your inventory or lost income. So it's supposed to all happen. There's supposed to be, you know, a full relief setup. None of it's happening. We've we've been told by our bank that we were denied for a PPP loan, which you know, extra salt in the wound when you see Ruth Chris, when you see Shake well, Shack. And I right. and I don't care and I don't care who gave it back because uh, all of them were shamed into giving them back. I also yep. don't know. I also don't know if when they give it back, it goes back into the coffers to go out yes. to anyone. I've not seen the trail of that anywhere. Um, but you know, that's extra salt in the wound when we can't get any of these loans. And then also the emergency, uh, the EIDL loans uh, and grants. We've not heard a word from any of those. Our insurance has denied our claim for business interruption. We've applied for three different grants from either Chamber of Commerce or small businesses, and none of those have come through. Uh, so, you I know. Mean, even hearing word, they, they, you know, the federal, the PPP, they put extra money into the, into the fund. And then basically the site uh, shut down from overload yeah. within minutes and like, twice as many i think i think two or three times as many people tried to get on as i did within the first round yeah i mean so i mean and what's happening here is that you know if, if you guys aren't aware of this that like these big corporations are getting these loans because they have all the fucking money and if you're like a person who doles out loans at a bank who are you gonna give money to like the the, the sole proprietor of a neighborhood bar yeah who or or a fucking corporation so that's what's happening and you've got these fucking people who have like literally direct lines they don't have to wait on hold to talk to these these no they they don't have to wait on hold and what they're saying too is because this is how they their business model is just set up you know already having you know solid investments of million dollars of overhead and investment to move forward that they're doing this kind of business on the regular so they're ready to go like the paperwork is like it do- it doesn't even have to happen it's already just like constantly being processed so there's mm-hmm. not even yeah. like it's like uh they were saying on the daily show it's like white glove treatment basically for all these yeah. absolutely but then you've got everybody who's on hold not to mention and i've said this to you before brooke but like statistically 90% of small businesses owned by women and people like minorities are going to close because of things like this. Yeah. So (laughs) it's pretty, it's pretty horrifying. And uh, you know, we, we don't have like a a, a totally cutthroat landlord. I mean, our our landlord is certainly uh, they, they, they're people that were also in the service industry for years. Uh, They it's, it's two brothers that own several bars worked in those bars and uh, you know, they're still, they're, they're in their 70s and 80s. This is one of their few income sources. They're still expecting it and hoping for it. But they also know me and my wife. They literally called us to check in on how she was doing and how the newborn Aww. was doing. You know, like, so that gives me faith, even though I've not yeah. heard them say the words, uh, hold off on rent. out. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, you know, that's an interesting thing, too, is like, you know, even, even were they not, let's say, three, four months down the line, were they not being lenient about it? how are you going to find another client at this time? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so. I mean, it's, it's not just that Tom, you're a good fucking dude. Let's let just like, you're like, you're like the mo- you're a super humble business owner manager. Like you care, uh, you give to charities already at your bar every, you know, donating proceeds to charities. I mean, 
I have nothing but like good faith in in you and I see nothing but positive energy surrounding you and your Thank future. You. I, and I, I really and I, appreciate you know. that. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully it's just because we, we surround ourselves with good people and, mm-hmm. and, and also we're, we're hands-on. I mean, like, you know, literally this is a fusion of what me and my wife do. She's a graphic designer and does marketing and I am in hospitality. So, yeah. you know, front of house stuff is me, back end stuff is all her. And it's, you know, we're here. The prior bar owners, not not the company I worked for, but the people that owned it before that, the owner lived in Vegas. Wow. You know? And there's only so much personal touch or, or totally. air that you're going to put into your place if you live, you know, three and a half hour drive away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that this, and we'll see what this really means, but like this is actually a, a positive Steve Mnuchin story, if that's possible. <laughs> possible oh, fish face they, Mnuchin. He came out yesterday and said that like any small businesses now that are getting over $2 million will be fully audited to make sure that it's a valid like claim. So I think what's happening now is that there's actually like I, all eyes on who the money is going to, why it's going there. I think, but, I, but it's also like, oops, we totally fucked up real hard. Right. But if I may have- also respond to that though, it's like, oh, it's amazing because statistically, historically, in general, only the poorest of the poor people actually are the ones who ever get audited, period, for a whoopsie. Like, because right. it's so hard to pursue the rich because right. there's so much red tape, so much money. So, you know, all over the place that like, basically it's this horrifying paper trail that takes years to figure out. And it's also to me really, it's like, what do you mean? Like, I mean, I'm glad that they're like, we're going to make sure they use it properly if that's what you're saying. But the idea that it's like, how do wait, why would a huge corporation use it properly as opposed to a small business who just wants to keep their doors open? Like to me, it's insult to injury, but yeah well well, all this is is super interesting to us as well because we've got you know i don't i don't know how many of your listeners live in in california or la but like you know we've got everywhere they're everywhere they're in the south they're yeah we know we've got a may 15th uh you know order stay stay in place or shelter in place until may 15th but we don't actually know how that's gonna how that's gonna you know like what does that extrapolate to does that mean that we're gonna start opening every business then or are we going to only have essential businesses talking about restaurants that are going to be seating half of their capacity right with razor thin margins 70 percent of those aren't even going to be able to make that solvent you know um you know it's and so we've just got this we're trying to get through this month we're, we're paying rent now for may we're paying utilities now for may mm-hmm. but we don't even know what's going to happen in june or july or any of this stuff so it's like you know we're comfortable we're okay we're in a better shape than some of my i know we're going to talk karaoke later but like you know some some of the people i've done karaoke for can't even pay me because they couldn't even survive a week of not being open you know so like I feel like we're in great shape that we can that we've survived a month and a half so far but is that going to end up being six months is that going to be eight months you know like we can't do that no one can do that I mean Uh, here's the thing though about you know just let's just like talk about just like bars in general just more reason that like everybody needs more attention paid to this is that you know as of like expected i think now i think we've got six hundred thousand strong of people who actually like work behind bars yeah um and not only that is it's like 
it's a it's like a multi-billion dollar industry like 24.1 billion dollar industry alone just on bars and that's in 2017 that was reported um i mean that's i mean that's compared to restaurant restaurants like much more i mean that's still that's really big and not only that the value of of a a watering hole a tavern a neighborhood corner bar is just it's immeasurable in my opinion so so in a level you know and this this is the trump quote is like you know restaurants will survive it may not be the same ones but they will still be restaurants you know that was that was basically the sentiment of what he was saying was like people will still need to eat so there will still be restaurants fully yeah. acknowledging that all of the current ones won't yeah, exist all anymore trump steak in his right? eyes you know but like right. but like he does but he doesn't care like i understand he does not care if it's our bar or whatever bar comes in there in a year and takes over the space i get that he doesn't care about that but customers consumers Co- can. consumers care about it but they're also worried about their money and i get that what i'm what i'm circling around to is if I've like I've got about five thousand dollars worth of beer, that is my perishable, right? So I don't have dairy, I don't have any of that stuff. But my beer is going to go bad by the time we open. So I've got about five thousand dollars worth of beer. That's a big number, but not as big as the number as what I could have sold it for. That's the one that hurts me, you know. Right, right. But you know, five thousand dollars. Drop in the bucket to a distributor, to a producer, to a larger company you know like why isn't diageo or proximo or beauchamp or any of these people that distribute or produce this stuff why aren't they coming to the small businesses and saying hey we'll take that and we'll give we'll swap it out for you when you reopen yeah you know what i mean like no absolutely I, i get it that you know politician x in washington has no connection to me but the people that i'm literally working with why aren't they saying, hey, we'll swap that out for you. Hey, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll take that off your hands and distribute it somewhere else so that we know we can sell it. I'm just stuck with this stuff. And then once I'm back in business, I'm supposed to work with those people again. Yeah. Well, I mean, I saw on Facebook that you're now, because you're able to sell, off-sell. I'm picking up booze tomorrow. I appreciate at, that. Yeah. From you. Yeah. And if you guys live in the LA area, you can absolutely hit up Tom. He is on Facebook and you can purchase delicious beer at a very reasonable price, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're literally charging what we paid for it because uh, it's going to go bad. Otherwise, I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to move my like liquor and that kind of stuff. If, if a bottle needs to go with your beer, that's fine. I get that. But you know, th- that stuff will last. That's shelf stable. Um, but yeah, I need beer. Hit me up. Hit him up. Um, I wanted to ask because of your type of liquor license yeah. and because you don't um, make food, so mm-hmm. you can't you can't do the batch cocktails That's like correct. other places. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the things that they provided as relief, but it literally doesn't apply to us. But this is this is what's blowing my mind right now mm-hmm. is while like you're everyone is stuck between a rock and a hard place when yeah. they're not relaxing these laws or these licenses that made sense when we weren't allowed to no longer go outdoors. Like, come on. I mean, this is the part that's blowing my mind and why I'm like, we all have to vote for anyone, anyone in any city council position, you know, like representatives all the way up to the top of the white house, because what we have in charge right now is like Trump on down are like, 
GOP fat cats who are invested in places like Chick-fil-A and that's their idea of a dining right. out experience right. or whatever, you know, restaurant is attached to their five-star hotel they're going to or whatever, right. where they're like, we'll be fine because these multi-million dollar corporation dining out situations are not going anywhere while it erases anything with heart and soul anything mom and pop, yeah. anything neighborhood, anything that the rest of America loves, yeah. you know? And so it's like, oh yeah, great. So now we all literally have to go to a Ruby Tuesdays to have a night out. This is like a GOP wet dream. I mean, so many aspects of it are, and, and, and Andrea, to what you were talking about too, with the stipulations placed on the, on the PPP, mm -hmm. seeing Georgia, seeing Kemp open Georgia and, and, you know, say that everyone can go back to work is so transparent to everyone that they're doing that to get people off of their unemployment rolls. Oh, yes. That, yes. But that, also, that to me is very clear about the pay, payroll protection program as well. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what the answer It's just is. an extension of unemployment. It in is. A way. It is. Yeah. So, but, you know, so I'm taking out, I'm, I mean, it's coming from a different source, it's coming from the Small Business Administration. And so if I then take that for eight weeks worth of pay to my staff, I guarantee there's going to be a hiccup where, you know, unemployment EDD says, hey, you're getting paid now, uh, you know, so so we're going to pull back your benefits. And then once our payroll money runs out for them, then it'll probably be a week or two or three or maybe a month before their unemployment yeah. kicks back in. So everything, like, everything's going to dry up because you have yeah. half the staff, half yeah. the customers, half, yeah. I mean, it's all just... Ugh. It's like a so, cart that's going downhill and falling apart. As yeah. Like, so I'm not I'm not really like heartbroken that the PPP isn't isn't going through for that reason. I mean, like, yes. Would you say, would you're, be... would you say you're not down with PPP? <laughs> oh man. I, I I want to say it, and I want to say it clearly. Yeah. Whether you know, Andrea's seen me spiral into a more vigilant, like insane place. But let's be clear. I want to spell it out to our listeners that the doors are open business quote unquote back to usual restaurants and places like Georgia. So not only are they doing this to kick you off any program that could benefit you, they are also putting you out there as a guinea pig on the front lines to see if yep. being open with a 50% capacity rate and already margins that for most restaurants are evaporated, gone, never existed in the first place. They're also risking your health. So do not, do not, look at this as a positive. It's not positive. We are, we are, we have been deemed the number one wave of expendable with anyone who does hair, nail care, and a, for whatever reason, bowling alleys too. But um, we are, we are the first wave of what's considered expendable. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds really dark, but it's true when they have to make decisions like this, yep. who should we take it away from? Yep. You know, well, I mean, to, to, to exactly what I was saying earlier with, with Trump saying there will be restaurants, just not those ones. There will be restaurant workers, just not those ones. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, no, exactly. an expendable industry as far as a, a lot of people. Oh, you mean you mean a president who eats his own frozen steaks and McDonald's only? Yeah, he doesn't, you know, yeah. Well, I think, you know, this is depressing and uh, this will wrap up part one of our awesome chat with you, Tom. Um, and we're our, moving our, on our grumpy chat, our grumpy chat. This is part one, <laughs> you know, next week, next week will be a whole shiny new karaoke <laughs> chat. And listen, we were bound to have one. Like we should be enraged. I mean, granted, we are doing everything we can to stay positive, be supportive, look for the good where we can find it. But like, 
it's important that, you know, cause I think servers also are just like, should I go back to work? What should I do? You know? And it's really tough. It's just really tough to know what to tell them to do. Yeah. It's like, I don't know where everyone's being put out there like a fucking lab rat. Well, and you know it too. I mean, any service industry job you've had versus any other job you've had, that's family, you know, for yep. better, for better, or for worse. And you slept with a lot of your family. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it's people that you develop these lifelong bonds with. And so to not have them around and not be able to communicate, not know if they're okay is 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 really hard so we're, we're trying our best you know our staff's small it's eight people it's, it's five bartenders three security and they're all people close to me a lot of them have been in my life for mm-hmm. over a decade and so we're trying our best to just check in and anytime we've got extra food or we're doing a food run or something like that you know make sure we're offering stuff to them but mm-hmm. it's oh man i miss them yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely all right, all right. Well, guys. everybody wipe your goddamn tears away from your goddamn faces. And we'll have Tom back next week with uh, some really amazing karaoke chat. Well, on that note, let's sign off. Godspeed and good health. Talk to you next week.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.